Welcome to Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak, where we explore the tools and tactics that drive improvement. If you're hungry for more and better, if you want to move past hype and discuss how, you're in the right place. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine. Today, my guest is Connor Steinberg. Connor has had a wild ride in his life, as you're about to hear, and he has gone from some pretty high highs to some pretty low lows, and then figured out a whole new world to his life. Well, you can find Connor and all his stuff online. I'm going to put those links in the show notes, but man, I think you need to consider not just partnering with Connor and his current real estate empire, um, but also consider his life. And I think there's a lot of interesting lessons for us to learn. So welcome, my new friend, and man, I hope we have lots more fun talking, Connor. Connor, man, I am looking forward to this, just getting to know you, getting ready for this. Um, man, it was just like, oh, and this, and this, and this. There's, uh, I, I think we're going to run out of time on all the cool things I want to talk about, but uh, that lots of fun to talk about. Thanks for coming, man. Yeah, man. Well, I talk fast, so we'll, we'll get a lot in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Warning everybody, uh, two fast talkers are about to get excited and go into a story. So, you know, most of the time I'm telling <laughs> people, I'm, I usually tell people to speed audio playback up. I don't know if you've ever geeked out on this, but like I've more lately been really getting like my podcasts, my audiobooks. This might be one of those times where, Hey, you guys might want to slow it down. I don't know if the, the audio players do that, but, um, <laughs> this could be fun. Uh, so man, there's a ton we could get into. And I thought where we would start is just your story. I've gotten the, the high level version of it enough to know, like, this is not your normal ride. Um, I mean, even, uh, you know, as a, as a teenager, you had stuff going on that, that most of us were not experiencing. Um, so I thought we'd go through that and then just, you know, I might interrupt and, uh, call out a few points that are exciting or interesting to me, but man, let, let's, let's just kind of yeah. back and get the Connor story, man. So, so, okay. We talked about this, but you know, born in Atlanta by where I live now, but moved to Dallas as a kid, I think age four, if I remember right. And then, right. you know, grew up, went to college and things got wild. I mean, kind of talk me through the story, man. What, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like everybody else went off to college. I was out of Dallas, uh, moved to Dallas and I decided to go to university of Oklahoma and, uh, I was a boomer sooner. So if you guys are out there, boomer, just kidding. But, um, so I decided to go there and I got a business marketing degree is kind of just what I fell into. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I think that's where a lot of college kids are. They just kind of yeah. do it because they're supposed to do it. And then later they figure out what they want to do. But what I realized I wanted to do at the time, or at least what I thought I wanted to do was play online poker because what happened was a big online poker boom. There was a guy yes. named Chris moneymaker who put like $40 into a poker site, won a $10,000 main event seat, won the big main event, uh, world series of poker main event made millions of dollars. And what happened was every kid's head in college exploded overnight and said, I can take $40 from my parents, oh, yeah. turn it into millions. I'm going into poker. Oh, we all one of those founders. We were ready, man. I remember this way. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. I was, that was that time. Okay. So, yeah. so you started with online poker live. What was your jam? Where'd, what'd you get into? Uh, simultaneously both. So I, I lived right. in Norman, Oklahoma, university, of Oklahoma. And then we had a couple casinos locally there. I think one was yeah. called Choctaw. I forget what it's been a while now, but we had local brick and mortar casinos. And then the online poker boom was really what kind of, uh, really what I gravitated towards because I could play multiple tables at a time. And what it did is it short shortened their learning curve for people to learn the game. So yeah, if you think about oh, the right. physical time to, uh, 
yeah, to deal cards and to deal chips around. Yeah, the loops just get more loops by hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we could play one to one. If you played one live table versus one internet table, you're going to play ten to twenty times as many hands per hour in a one to one unit time relationship. But I was playing sixteen to twenty four tables at a time, depending on what levels and things like that. So I was Wait, playing hey, in a year. Hang on, when you sixteen <laughs> to twenty four tables, you got simultaneously like up on up, you know just like one sixteen a day or like on the screen, two tables. How did that work? Yeah. So I used to play them on a four by four grid. Um, you know, 12 to 16 tables is like kind of my sweet spot. 16 was, I got up to 24, which was the max that like poker stars, I think let us do, but I started having some inefficiencies. So you're not really playing every hand. You have 16 tables going at a time, but think about how much time you have at a table when you're not in the hands, you're folding off hands. Oh yeah. So at the time I'm in like two or three maybe four hands at a time. Right. Right. And so you're, just, else is you're checking what's away. in your pocket and every two or three but, on average would be something you'd want to play through and the rest you're folding and waiting your turn. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, so instead of playing like very few hands over an hour, you're spot selecting, you're only playing your good hands and good positions and you're because you can play more volume. Oh, and so yeah. you're looking for, and also by playing a lot of volume, you can find betting patterns and strategies that would stand out to you because you're playing so many hands so frequently that you would never be able to do playing a hundred hands a day at a live casino. And then coming back the next day, you can never track. And then there's all these tracking uh, systems that really let us figure out the game pretty quickly. So before I knew it, I was literally at the top of the online poker world, playing high stakes poker, going up and down tens of thousands of dollars. I never played like the highest, highest levels, uh, where people are playing like for hundreds of thousand dollars, but I got up to, you know, like 5,000, sometimes $10,000 buying games and things like that. So I was kind of like the, uh, upper high stakes, lower mid stakes level, but yep, I did very yep. well doing this. I did this for eight years and I was right at the peak of my career when it all disappeared. And I woke up on April 15, 2011, they call it black Friday. They should have called it like super black Friday. Cause it was a dark day. Uh, we all woke up my, myself, my friends, my entire world, my entire identity to be just poof into the nothingness, just like that. It literally just disappeared overnight. There was no yeah. warning so not I, that I knew I know, of. For those who don't know though, what happened? Was this, uh, wh- why did it all go poof? Yeah. There's still a lot of confusion over it. So like there was obviously government regulation issues. These websites from what I understand were hosted on offshore islands through what's called like the Alderney gaming commission. If I remember correctly, it was a, it was a hands in the cookie jar type of thing. They didn't have the, probably the way they want to regulate them. And from my experience if government doesn't have their control over it. They either figure out how to get their hands into the controlling position or they destroy it completely and shut it down. And, and there was a lot of confusion over what happened. And then there was also some sketchy stuff that these websites were actually doing. There was some real issues behind. So it was a lot of everything, I guess, because anything that grows that quick and has that much money attached to it, there's always going to be good and good and negative attached to it. But, um, basically what happened was overnight. I think it was mostly, they couldn't regulate them the way they wanted. And then overnight, literally I woke up that next day being like, if we're in real estate, the real estate industry is gone. Straight, straight up, just like waking yeah, up the next like day. Not, and, not like uh, there were limits on it. Like suddenly these sites were down and it was no longer a legal option gone. to do this. Yeah. yeah. The US, yeah, United States Department of Justice seized the poker sites. So you got on there, tried to log on like you normally did. And it says yeah. US Department of Justice has seized full tilt poker and they literally took over the websites and they uh, shut them down is really what happened. Okay. And, so uh, I, as you can I got imagine, pause. Cause there's, there's layers <laughs> to get into here and I'll, I'll try not to, we got a lot more of the story to come, right? This is just the warm up. Just the beginning. <laughs> a couple things. So first let me back up. I think I want to underline for everyone listening. One of the profound 
insights on how you get good at something is you just put in more reps and look for patterns. And, uh, yes, there's skill. Yes. There's a, there's a certain mental capacity and a wiring there's training, but man, I think people underestimate how valuable it is just to put in lots of reps. Um, like even if you didn't have a good brain for it and good things like you would far outpace someone who wasn't doing it. So now I was prepared for you just to say that, Hey, look at all the more reps I could get playing a single online poker game, but you got like now four at one time, now 16, even push that boundary a little bit, but your sweet spot, 16 games simultaneous. And each of those games is 10 to 20 times a live game. I mean, right. in one year you were getting in what two, 300 times the amount of hands. 400. Yeah. 400. There you go. So, it 400 I mean, years worth of. Yes. In, in, what do you know? You can learn things that way, guys. I mean, there's a certain amount of just speed the loop up, shorten that feedback cycle. And it is learn how to learn is one of my passions. And this is one of those things in every zone. One of the first questions I ask on how to learn faster, better is how do you shorten the feedback cycle? How do you get more reps and, and key get more feedback on it? Cause it wasn't just like you played the hands. This is one of the beauties of poker that way is it, it gives you immediate feedback. Did it work or not? Um, did that play out? And even, you know, it's an uncertain environment, but still there's feedback, you know, win loss, you have measurable things. And so lots of loops with constant feedback. I mean, you can't help, but learn, you, you don't have to be a savant to figure that out. Now, if you add talent on top of that, I mean, that's bananas. So I don't know. I don't know if that resonates with you or yeah. I'm spoiling things. If you've done that in the future, kind of figure out how to add loops to that. But I, that's one of the things that jumped out of me right away. Yeah. Yeah. So like I've learned, you know, been able to be successful after failing for so long, but what creates success is, you know, anything that grows in life, whether it's your body, your mind, your bank account comes from massive repetition, pushing against resistance. And so mm-hmm. if you go to the gym, you're not going there to, to run from the weight bench. You're going there to find it. You're going there to find adversity. You're going to push against it as many repetitions as you can up to the point of resistance, not just, Hey, I'm going to go do three reps and put it down when you could do 10, <laughs> if 10 was your max rep. So it's not just that we're doing repetitions. We're doing repetitions up to the point of resistance. That's what breaks us down to rebuild us. And then it's not just that repetition works. It's the time condensed, condensed repetition, meaning you could go to the gym and do three reps today, go to jar tomorrow and do three reps and then do that forever. Or you can do a lot of reps in one day. So it's not that I just played a million hands or millions of hands and scattered out over 50 years, I did it over short time windows. So I condensed the repetitions into a very small time window, which allowed for patterns to stand out. And in business sequencing and patterns are very important because if you have, if you're going to grow a business, if you're coming up with something, as far as a strategy idea or system, it needs to be able to be taught, learned and retaught. Otherwise there's no ability to remove yourself from that system. And then you're a solopreneur forever. Yeah. So when we teach things, if it can't have a one, two, three, four, five step order process that someone else can come behind you and do the same one, two, three, four, five, and get the same outcome. It's not a system and it doesn't duplicate and won't scale as a business. So what we're trying to do is create things that can be repeated through repetition and learned and uh, reapplied later without ourselves involved in it, because that's what gives us the ability to pull ourselves out from our business and let someone else come run it or sell the business and have someone else buy it and run it after we sell it. So there's a lot of reasons to understand that it's not just repetition, but it's how fast those reps come in and, and how furious they come in and how your minds can respond to retaining that information or identifying future patterns to exploit later. Yeah, this is 
Huge. And I, I think people underestimate how powerful this is. And we'll get into more applications of this later in your story, but man, I just couldn't help but underline that. Yeah. Say that phrase again. I'm, I'm just trying to recapture this, the, the, the repetition and resistance phrase that you used. What's the, what's the key there? Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, you know, like a lot of people understand repetition, but if there's no resistance against it, you don't break down. So let's say you're, you could do 10 reps at the gym at like 225 but yeah, you go yeah. and you do four reps and you put it down and then you get it again. You do four reps and you get it again. You do, you're never, you're not growing. You need to push into the point of resistance. So like, this is like where people are working at their desk and they start to feel like they're losing focus. What do they do? They get up and go to the restroom. They get up and go grab a snack. This is right. not when you they get up. This is when you push through. They, they walk away from it. Yeah. And you're saying, no, no, that's exactly the growth opportunity. Right. And, and then what do they do? Oh, I have trouble focusing. Oh, I have a, a small attention span. It's because you didn't work out your mind to focus. You got to the point where you were on rep seven, eight, where it starts getting harder than rep four or five. Mm-hmm. You said, it's time for a snack. It's time for a nap. I'm just going to go outside and stretch for a second. What you need to do is force yourself to focus at the table. So when you feel that lack of focus, when you're reading or sitting at your desk and you get in that agitation or the anxiety to get up and move from it, that's when you knock out eight, nine, 10 and do one more on top and then finish that set out and push down and break down the mind and break it down so it can rebuild itself to a more focused mindset later. But if you guys are getting up at these moments where you feel like you're losing focus, you it's like walking away from a set that you could do 10 reps on when you're five reps into it. If that kind of makes sense. A I, bit. So, and, and this is we, you know, the physical analogy is brilliant, right? Um, we talked about it in poker as a writer, uh, all my best writing happens when I push to the edge of discomfort. And I really, would rather do anything else, even clean my dadgum closet. And, uh, and that's, if I lean into it and push past that threshold, that's where all the good writing comes from. That's the stuff I end up keeping. So yep. I'm learning like it, the, if I, I keep waiting for it to, to get comfortable, to have good writing, it's, uh, I may, I may wait my whole life. Like it's on the other side of the right. resistance that the real growth is happening. So I'm loving yes. this, but dude, okay. So epic success, learn, 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 learn it sounds like you weren't planning on walking away from this. Like you got this. Um, and then suddenly it walked away from you. Like, dude, how do you process that? Where do you go from? Cause I think there's a lot of us, maybe we haven't all done poker, but I think you're not the only one who's had a dream and an identity and then have it like ripped away from you and realize, crap, this isn't, this isn't me anymore. This isn't what I, I can do. So like what happens to you in the middle of that? How do you process that? Yes. I think I, it's kind of like when you lose a family member or someone close to you. And it was like, I went through like a denial phase, I think. And I went through kind of those same stages and had a little bit of a, it's not really happening to me for the beginning. And then it set in a little bit later that like everything literally is gone. Like almost a decade of my life that I worked for to build one skill set's gone. So it was a tough time. It actually led me to a very uh, lost moment in my life where I went down a downward spiral Sure. And, uh, this was to a point where literally I got to almost where I took my own life, just to be honest, that's how bad it was. Oh. I was top of the world, sports cars, diamond watches, yep, uh, yep. living the life that every kid would want to have. And then shortly after that, at no, I think what made it tough was I didn't, I'd gone broke many times playing poker on my own mistakes, or I sure, took a bad sure. beat. This, this wasn't like I went broke playing or took a bad beat. This was like, it was taken from me. So it was stolen from me. So it was a little bit harder to handle. Uh-huh. Uh, I think for that reason. 
and, uh, I was at like the peak of my career, but it, yeah, it was, it was just hard for me to handle that. I put so much time and effort into something and have it just disappear overnight. And then here I'm in my mid twenties trying to figure out, is this what life is about? What's going on? And, uh, I had a lot of doubt and it led me to lose my identity, which is really what caused me to kind of get lost. And, uh, when you tie your identity to something so much, let's say career for 20 years and it goes away, yeah. who are you now? This is what happens to like, you see athletes go into the NFL for two or three years, have a breakout year, then they blow out their knee and they're gone. They struggle with their identity issues. Yeah. And, uh, one of the big lessons I learned here, actually, this is good for you guys starting a business. Do not put all your eggs in one basket. I had one income stream is a really good one, but when that one income stream went away, I was in a very bad spot. So always have multiple streams of income because if the one that's your primary income goes away, you need something to, to land on, uh, behind that. So you hear multiple streams of income taught regularly as a way to increase your income. It's just factually not what it does. Uh, multiple streams of income is an insurance, uh, system yes. in case yeah. you had one really good income stream. So let's say you had a billion income streams that make a dollar. You just made a billion dollars. But if you had one income stream that makes a billion dollars on its own, you made a billion. So what that shows is a billion billion was both made, but the difference in income streams was massive. One billion versus one. So that shows there's a zero relationship between the amount of income streams that you have and your income. But there's a big relationship. If you have one really good income stream that makes a billion dollars and it goes away overnight, you have no other way to provide if you didn't save that money and invest that money or do yeah. something else with it. So yeah, the, the it's important the to have income streams you have, the more risk you have. And man, I would sure. even say this, that's true of income. I think that's true of identity at some level as well. Like if your identity is locked up in one especially if it's a performance thing, right? Um, I, 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 listen, I've seen this not just for work, though I've definitely seen that, uh, struggle with that. Um, I've seen this in family, like people whose marriage whole identity is wrapped up in their kids and then they go become empty nesters and they don't know who they are as a couple anymore because they've only been co-parents, right? Um, one of the things I do with my wife every year is I have eight, I, I, made this up, but I, after lots of reading and talking, I broke down eight categories of what it means to be a husband, right? One of which is co-parent. We have to manage kids together and figure out how we balance it. There's we financial partners. We run this little household, right? We both work and bring stuff in and both spend. Um, there's the romantic lover. There's, there's buddies, right? There's a spiritual leader that I'm trying to be for her. And so I have her rate me on all eight because I know a lot of couples who only are co-parents, like the rest is all faded to the background. And while dude, there are definitely, I don't know if you have kids, there are definitely times when my kids have overwhelmed our schedule and like 90% of our time was spent co-parenting. We don't want to lose sight of that. And so like, who are you? And if it's only one area of your life, that's all you've got. Um, you're at risk. You're at big risk of a downturn in that area I'll be putting you to the edge of maybe my life uh, isn't worth living anymore. Right. Which is a place a lot of folks have gotten to tragically. Cause I mean, you know, you're a living example, like, man, if you can get to the other side, there's a lot of good life left to be lived. Even yeah. if that whole one area I mean, to this day, that area is still dead for you. Right. Unless I've missed something online poker is not back and you're not doing that as a career and you have a life you love, but yeah, it's, it's a profound thought, not just uh, for money, but for identity, for relationships. Again, let's do the relationship thing. I'm riffing with you here, but my wife is probably my best friend. Um, closest relationship. We have a good one, but I also have some other really good buddies that we hang with. In fact, we were, you we, maybe we should talk about this another time. You wolf pack stuff I know is coming as a part of your story. I've got a group. We call ourselves the wolf pack and we have another podcast on that. Like, 
really close relationships that my wife is not in because it's a bunch of dudes. It's just that now I do some other stuff with men and women, but this is a small group of guys. And it's like, man, there's a level of conversation and relate. So multiple layers, uh, diversified portfolios of relationships and money and identity. And I just think there's a, there's a life principle in there. Um, so cool stuff. Okay. So, so heading rock bottom, like what, what'd you end up doing? I mean, like, uh, money, why did you have other investments? I mean, what, what was the career? Where did you get another job? You had a marketing degree? Like what happened here, man? No. No. So basically, you know, so like, uh, you know, I was born in Atlanta as uh, my dad's actually a Presbyterian minister. So I grew up in wow. church Nice. when I moved over to Dallas and I started, you know, getting into high school and girls and everything. I kind of walked away from my faith, uh, just wow. to be okay. fully transparent. Yep. And for like a decade, I kind of walked away from it. And then around this time is when I kind of came back to my faith because <laughs> it got to a point where I didn't know how to live. It wasn't that I wanted to kill myself. It was that I didn't know how to live life at that time. And I was looking at my past as the best days of my life and that my future couldn't be as good as my past. And it was just a very defeating mindset loop to go through. Yeah. Yeah. And I just knew, and it got it. And I'm more open about this because I've lost a few friends recently and mm. I know post pandemic, this is a lot of mental illness out there. And, and what mm. you guys understand is the darkness goes away. No storm lasts forever. Mm. I didn't realize it at that moment, but that's, where you feel helpless, like it's never going to go away that feeling, but it does go away, but you have to make it go away. So the first thing I did was, um, I brought God back into my life and I basically was like, I can't do this. I was, I was too scared to do it because I was like, if I do it, I may end up somewhere worse than I am right now. And that was, and so I was too big of a coward to even do it. And so I said, you know, look, I messed up and I just convinced myself throughout my life. God abandoned me. And there was a moment where I just remember being like, I abandoned God and God didn't abandon me. Mm. And then at the same time, within that kind of that same window, I remember hearing basically this urge to go over to the internet and I typed in how to not take my own life. And what happened was, uh, a black and white recording of a man named Napoleon Hill popped up. Some of you guys know Napoleon Hill from thinking or rich. Yeah. And I started watching his black and white recordings of his 17 principles of success that he had uh, recorded. And that led me to reading thinking or rich, which led me to reading like uh, richest man in Babylon as a man thinketh. Yeah. Uh, and then I went down just a complete deep rabbit hole on personal education, self-development, read a ton of books, started following Bob Proctor, Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, yeah. you know, pretty much the whole game at Earl Nightingale. I'm I know all these and, guys. Uh, yeah. And this is, this is kind of what got me the mindset to get aggressive in business. And I'm going into debt while it's all happening. And what happened right. was I was running out of money and I had a very, this is a big defining moment and you guys are going to have defining moments in your life. Yeah. And I had a choice to file bankruptcy and take an easier path out mm -hmm. or to pick up a broom and sweep floors for minimum wage. And I sat there and I thought about it and I decided to grab the broom. And so instead of just starting over and just kind of going that direction, what I did was I got a job working at Academy sports and outdoors as bad as that sounds. And I'd sit there and work 12 to 14 hours a day wow. on my business. And then I'd go sweep floors, uh, stocking shelves at night and uh, sweeping floors for minimum wage. Because what was going on was I had these websites being built out. I was teaching right. myself search engine optimization, how to build WordPress websites. Yep, and I was yep. building private YouTube channels, linking them to my websites and my websites had been going up. So I was in the real estate investment space, trying to buy discounted houses. Uh -huh. And I saw my websites moving from page four to three to two. And I knew if I bought myself some time, if I could get to page one, uh, yeah. that I'd start generating leads. And I was literally like typing till my hands would swell. I'd have to ice my hands basically down. I and I jumped to page one. And, uh, before I knew it, I had leads coming in and there was one week that I made a hundred thousand, almost a hundred thousand dollars in a week 
So to go from making less than $10 an hour yeah. to one week, making almost a hundred thousand dollars. And then I, I went on to do, I think it was like, uh, almost 40 deals that first year wow. that I kind of started getting things going, built a wholesaling company here in North Texas, yep. uh, started flipping properties. Like you see on HGTV, buying houses, fixing them up and reselling yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And I built my rental portfolio, started acquiring properties, realized as cash flow, not as much passive as I wanted. So I started transitioning a lot of these properties into the owner, into owner finance notes. I started going into the creative financing space, creating and selling notes, holding partial notes, bought land, mobile homes on land and in parks. I started going down that route. And then along the way, I built my investor army YouTube channel, which became a larger YouTube channels in the investment space. I haven't been too active on it, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, we, we got that up. It became Texas's number one channel. Yeah. And, uh, that's kind of how all that started. And then, um, I don't know if you want me to go into all the EXP stuff or how we got to there or well, kind of touch I, on some of that. Lots of fun stuff to talk about here. So I got to go way back on double click on why you took a minimum wage job when you could have done the bankruptcy and swipe over. Cause you know, I don't know that it's, um, it's always evil to do bankruptcy. I think there's some legitimate cases, but I, I think I know what you're saying, but I, I think that's a like a record scratch moment. Like, wait, what you had an easy choice and you did like, why, what, what was it that caused you to yeah. do it? Why do you think you benefited from, would you do it again? Right. I mean, like unpack that moment for me a little bit. Yeah it's not that bankruptcy is a bad thing. It's that when it's used to take the easy route out, I think it's a bad thing. And like, mm -hmm. if you really had a good intent with your business and tried and, and you got yeah, put up yeah. the wall, like, and you're protecting your fit, like you're doing the right thing. I just was not willing to just to, to, to throw in the towel and quit and have that over my head for the rest of my life, knowing that I didn't give it my all. So I said, I'm going to push this. I was prepared to do it. Trust me. I was, it was on yeah. my mind all the time. Cause I was yeah. right there. I literally got down to like a month left. I had every credit card maxed out. Oh. I literally couldn't have made it through another month. I was done. I didn't, my parents didn't know I was upstairs how bad it was, but, um, <laughs> ultimately, um, you know, it came down to morals and principles and values of, of, you know, how my dad raised me. Yeah. And I just knew I wouldn't respect myself if I did that at that moment. Hmm. And I knew I, that if I had, gone the route that I took and, and voluntarily consciously chose to walk down the steps to the devil's doorstep and knock on the door and say, I'm not coming in and go back the other way that I will be able to carry a strength within me that I knew I could overcome anything if I got out of the situation. Yeah. And if I went the other direction, I just felt that like I was going to end up having it over my head and then just getting some corporate job and working a nine to five the rest of my life and giving up on my goals and dreams. And I saw as, as literally, uh, the defining moment to see who I am right now. If I did not do that, at that moment, I could not become who I am today. And that's really why this I made that decision. And I think that's why I became who I am in a big, this, this big way. Those, those decisions. It's not about the financial instrument. It's about the character that was going on inside of you. Right? So right. For you, it was less about bankruptcy as an evil thing per se, as in for you, it was like, this is the fork in the road. Am I going to go the low risk, easy path, or am I going to push it and see how far I can go? Like to, to go back to your reps example, this is like, I am feeling uncomfortable. I think I could go to 10, but I'm not sure I'm going to quit at seven and I don't even want right. to find out. And I, I got to confess, I've done it. I think a lot of folks have done this where we're we're afraid of finding out we can't cut it, afraid of the failure, afraid of the cost. And that fear of like, you don't know what you're capable of until you actually give it your full effort. Um, and so the character you built, the, who you are that comes out of that. I, I mean, I can see it. I can see the, the discipline, the depth, the determination that 
wouldn't have happened if you would have given yourself the easy option. Yeah. I mean, like we're, I'm going through all this self-development, tell myself, you know, beliefs important, believe in myself, believe in my vehicle, believe in what I'm doing, believe in my future. Yeah. Yeah. And if I make that decision to go do that, it's a defining moment where I say, I actually don't believe in myself. I don't believe in what I'm doing because I'm just going to throw in the towel and go do something else. And then at the, what you don't realize is if you do that, you're conditioning yourself unconsciously. So the next time adversity shows up, That's you're right. going to create that quitting pattern and you're going to back off of it and you're going to quit that. Then you're going to go to the next thing you're going to quit right before you quit the next thing you're about to quit. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, your life's over and you're looking back and living a life of regret when you would have just stood up to the adversity and said, I'm been given this blessing to get stronger, to move forward, to be a person that can hold the strength of a better life and push through it. So when yeah. you guys have these moments, you need to step out from that moment and ask, you know, does this align with my morals and my values, my principles? Would I be, if I do this, is this a reflection of the person I'm actually trying to be, or is this a reflection of my old person, the old me? And so there was a lot that went into the decision, but it was a, trust me, very difficult decision. And then it wasn't like, it wasn't just like, oh yeah, I'm going to make this decision. And now I'm making millions of dollars a year. It was a very long struggle after that, where like, I literally worked for three years. I worked 1100 days. So here's how this is. So yeah. if you guys are struggling in business, yeah. just keep going. These are the tests that decide if you deserve to have the future that you want. So I worked 1100 days straight. I didn't take a single day off. Uh, it wasn't to stunt and flex. Like I'm working hard It's because like, if you get thrown off a boat, you stop swimming, you die. Yeah. So survival yeah, you and really was doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked. So imagine starting your business, going almost six figures in debt, 1100 days later, you break even get ahead a little bit. And the day you think you got out of debt, you find out your partner stole like $30,000 from you and you went right back into debt. That's wait, what wait, happened wait. to me. Is that a hypothetical or did that actually happen to you? No, that's what happened to me. I worked every single day for over three years. And the day I thought I was getting out of debt, I was running my numbers and I was like, I'm finally out of debt. And it was like right around like this time where I was suspecting something was going on. And it was kind of like at that same moment when I realized, no, yeah, I ain't getting this money back. And I went right back into debt and it crushed oh. me, uh, as you could imagine, oh. because I had, when you don't, when you don't have working capital in your business, you can't take a risk and try new things. Right. So when you're playing in debt and you're playing on low, uh, a low gas tank or a poker analogy, when you're short stacked, you're limited on kind of what you can do yeah, when there, you have a few million dollars. You just of, can't do. Yeah. And so that, that was brutal. And it was just like, I was just getting things. Have you guys ever felt like that? You're just getting momentum and things are going well. And now you're taking, and then all of a sudden just sideball or curveball comes out of nowhere and chops you off at the knees. And, uh, yeah. and then again, you have to decide what am I going to do? Same thing you do every day. If you want to, when you get up and you go to work and you don't complain, you don't whine, you just show up and you, sh- you put the hours in and just know that every day you're connecting a step that connects to the one before it, that's going to move you a long way down the road. And if you keep showing up every day and you keep taking those steps, by the time you turn around, you're going to see where you couldn't see where you're at at one point. Cause it's so far away. You've moved so far from where you started. Yeah. Hopefully you're now closer to su- success or success, but, uh, you're going to have chaos and adversities and problems and stress and all sorts of things along the way guys. So just know that your only goal and your only job is to show up and every day show up and work all day and don't worry about what's going on in the external environment or your emotional pattern, because you need to control this because if you don't, it's going to control you and it's going to make you operate in a way where you're going to make more mistakes off the mistakes you're already having. It's going to slow you down on your pursuit of hitting your goals. So just show up every day, yeah. control your emotions and put the hours in and do it again. And if you do this for long enough, there will be a day in your future where you show up and what we consider a six as a successful person with the things that you want. Yeah. It just works a, that way. There's a verse in the Bible that has just been, 
powerful to me. I've gone back to it 10,000 times plus. Um, but it, it says, do not grow weary in doing good for if you do not give up at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest. And I, and it's an insightful verse. Cause it, it is, it can be very discouraging. You're doing good. You're doing good. You're doing, you're putting in the work. And then sometimes the results don't show. Right. And then you're like, what am I doing this for? And when's this thing going to dadgum come? And, and it's like, listen, yep. if you just don't get too weary and don't quit, you will harvest. Um, sometimes it's years. Some, I was going to say 1100 days, but apparently at the 1100 days, and then you almost win. Like it's 1100 plus, right? Um, yep. but it, it does win. And I, I've lived that in my life. There, there are things I'm in the middle of right now that I'm like, oh, for the love, is this ever going to be worth it? But I'm also finally getting to the place where lots of different categories. I'm like, that is starting. I mean, from personal side, my oldest just graduated high school. We put a lot of effort into our parenting, um, special trips and development programs. And I, I've, I put limits on my career to make like my number one job being a, a husband and a dad. And, and I've done good career wise too, but well, I'd say it's been a huge investment in there. You know, if you've ever been through teenage years, right. There, there are some days you wonder, <laughs> is, is there going to be any harvest or are they going to be in my basement forever? Like what's going on here? Or moving I, back in like I did. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody I know that, you know, moved back home, worked minimum wage. <laughs> yeah, those losers, right, Connor? Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. But it's going to happen to you. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like for the moment, she's out heading off to college, has a dream. Um, and, and it's like, okay, I'm starting to see some of the harvest in business. You know, I've, had, I've built an audience and a following and starting to see some of the harvest of that stuff. And because there definitely were days when I was really weary and wanted to give up, um, where I was like, I did all the right stuff. Why didn't this work? And so I think there's a, that's one of, if not the biggest differences between those who truly epic succeed and those who don't is, um, if they don't see the harvest quick enough, they bail. And it's not saying yeah. you, you so learn, but yes, there's a certain amount of like time required. Yep. So there's a, there's a polarity meaning so if you've ever heard of the law of polarity, it means there has to be one without, can't be one without the other up, down, left, right, hot, cold, inside, outside, positive, negative. And so everything that you're going to go through is going to have, you know, some type of positive to it, some type of negative to it. And so when you are having these things happen to you, you have to look at them on a surface level at the moment. But a lot of times when you're looking back in hindsight, you realize that there was a big lesson in them. Mm -hmm. So like at that point when I, uh, I lost my career, yep. it almost made me take my life. And this is for you guys right now. They're going through adversity. That was the best moment of my life ever because it was the moment when my poker career disappeared that led me down a different path in life that led me to real estate, that led me to become an investor, that led me to getting on social media, that led me to building, you know, one of the world's largest real estate teams. All that happened because of that moment at the time I did not understand. So I felt God cursed me. Everything was against me. My life was falling right, apart. Right. Everything I was, you know, why is this happening to me? But it was a gift and it was a big, it was the biggest blessing I was ever given, but I was only focusing on the bad. And that's what happens. Your, mm. your mind can't think two thoughts at one time. I can't be sitting in my room in his room at the same time. You cannot do two things at once. And so if you're focusing on the negative and you're focusing on what you only see, there's a positive side to everything that's happening. It has to be, that's what the law of polarity states. There has to be a good and every bad and a bad and every good. Yeah. Just like there can't be enough up without a down and left without a right. 
So when you get in these bad spots, you have to ask yourself, what is the benefit? What am I learning? What am I gaining from this? Because there's a positive in every single negative. And once you understand that you look for it. And then when you're looking for the positive, your mind's already thinking on the positive spectrum, yeah. you're vibrating on the right path, on the right frequencies. And you're going to attract more positive thoughts, more creative thoughts. But when you're focusing on I'm cursed, the world hates me. Why me? Why was my competition getting farther ahead than me? Uh, you know, why am I, there's a new competitor popped up, like all these things, right. They get yeah. in your head. Yeah. So it's, it's very important to understand that you need to control your emotions and your thought process, um, during these times, because you're going to have problems, but what slows people down is when they have big problems and they compound it by making other problems off that one problem that they could yeah. just move past and said next and not been a big deal. But I see people take small little tiny cracks in the windshield and fracture the whole thing when it could have just been a little dab of, you know, glass glue or whatever yeah. that stuff is. Yeah. Uh, what, what you focus on multiplies, uh, for good or for ill, right. Uh, you could, you could pick the, the negative side of that polarity and lean into that and dwell on that and hold that tight to your heart. And then what do you know, that's going to multiply, or you could start looking for the lessons and see if those benefits can multiply. I've, I've had the same thing, man. There've been two or three times. Um, we haven't gotten into my story, but I, I'm, I'm on like third or fourth total industry, depending on how you divide them, at least three massive left turns. Like, Nope, screw that. Not doing that anymore with my life. And a couple of those happened like not happily. Like it was not fun. It was hard. Uh, I felt like a massive loss. Um, and so I, yeah, now I'm like, well, it feels, I had a buddy of mine recently just did this to him like two years ago. Long story short, he got kicked out of, he's a lawyer, he got kicked out of two firms in like three months. Uh, one, n neither of his fault, like one crazy stories. I'm trying to give the short version. And he's like, I'm just trying to do a career. I care about helping people in this category. Um, and it was like the worst moment. And I kept saying, you know, I think something awesome is going to come out of this. And he's like, I don't see how this can be any good. Long story short later, he ended up launching his own firm that as going about 10 X, what he thought he could do. Um, awesome. and he never would have, if he gets back to have two buddies this way, this other guy got fired uh, four times in three years or like got in a firm and the firm closed down and all this stuff. There's none of their fault. And they were like, man, I always had this dream, but it was not until someone ripped away all the stuff I was depending on that then suddenly I was willing to think differently. And I'm so glad I didn't just stay in the, the, the comfortable known path. But, but anyways, yeah. all those tragic moments, they're rough, but you're right. They open doors. They don't just close doors. Well, it's the, uh, to go back to like lifting weights and, uh, that's what we're talking about for that adversity moment. When it gets tough, that's where we're backing off early. So like, think about like your one rep max, let's say you're maxing out on the bench press at 225. That's your yep. one rep max. Yep. And that's your adversity or that's your problem that you're solving. A lot of people unconsciously self sabotage themselves in business because they say, I'm running this 15 person team. I can barely lift this bar as it is. It's shaking. I literally barely got the rep up. Yeah. So I can't possibly imagine myself running a thousand person team or a 500 person team. Mm -hmm. And so the resistance that they have is so much, they can't see a bigger vision of doing something more because they're like, if I can barely solve this problem, how can I solve the next problem? That's even yeah. bigger. Well, you get stronger by lifting the weights and doing the repetitions. Yeah. Now the problem is if you're complaining and whining and you're handling these adversities and things like this in a way, I believe, you know, God's watching us and that we're being watched. Why would the person or God that can promote you want to report, uh, promote someone to a bigger 
problem when they can't handle the smaller problems. So let's right. say I have a well, son that can bench press 225. Yeah. I'm not going to throw 450 on there because it's going to kill them. Right. So what you guys need to understand, and this is my belief, is that when I'm going through adversities and problems, I'm demonstrating to the world or God that I deserve to have bigger problems tomorrow. And this is also the thing you need to understand is that as you get stronger in the gym, so do you do in your life and your mindset and your skill sets and your mental awareness and control because you get stronger in the gym. Let's say you went from 225, you worked up to three plates, 315. Now you can max 315. Yeah. When you do that one rep max, it doesn't matter if it's at 100 pounds, 200 pounds, 300 pounds, 400 pounds. If it's your one rep max, it's going to feel the exact same mm. adversity as far as the resistance pushing against it. But your strength level changes as you grow in life. So as you grow in your business, these problems that you think you could never handle in the future, they're going to feel the same as the problems that you're currently handling right now. Because as your strength changes, the resistance changes. But it, it's important to understand what I'm talking about here because a lot of times people back off and stop taking risk or, or expanding their business because they feel overwhelmed with where they're at currently. Meaning I'm not going to put any more weight on the bench because I can't lift right, anyways. Right. You're getting stronger so you can lift it, but you need to demonstrate uh, to the world and God, in my opinion, that you're, you're grateful for the opportunity and these problems are not problems, but they're gifts and that they're for you to increase your strength so you can lift the heavier weight tomorrow or hold a bigger problem up tomorrow. Yeah, dude, hundred percent. I, it's a reframe that this, uh, this discomfort is actually like success. Like the growth, uh, the, the goal is I grow, not that it always is feels easy. Right. Um, in fact, I said this to my kids last night I was like, listen, you're the long story short, there's something they don't want to do. And I said, you're, you're waiting for it to feel good before you do it. It's not going to feel good before it's going to feel good after. So you just need to do it and then know that the, the positive stuff will be on the other side of it. But if you're waiting for this to feel good before you start, you will never start. This is not, again, the feel good comes after you finish, not before it. And some life activities, ice cream feels good. The first bite, right. But, um, but a lot <laughs> of the best stuff is on the other side of this resistance. Um, I, I don't even say this, man. I think uh, talk to everyone who's listening. I think if you can get one of the, the many lessons we could pull out of this story so far is man, the life you dream of is on the other side of resistance. If you will push through that, I think there's more possible than you might realize is there. I mean, like a, a, amazing things are possible. If you're just not, if when you get to resistance, you lean in rather than, than run away. So well, it's like, you know, name And if you guys are listening right now, name one thing you've ever gotten out there to tell your friends, family on social media that you're proud about doing that was easy to accomplish. <laughs> You just run out there and tell everybody how easy it was to send a postcard out in the mail yesterday or <laughs> nobody cares about easy things to accomplish. You don't get on TV. You don't, don't get recognition. You, you get, you get acknowledged and you get recognition. You build your self-esteem from doing things that most people would not do. Mm -hmm. So when you find the things that others will not do, and you do those, you build self-esteem, which builds everything around you. You build respect from other, those, those around you, which means they'll follow you, which means you can now go into leadership opportunities. You can build a team, you can build a business, you can, uh, take risk and people will take risk behind you because they say, I trust this person with their convicted nature. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of, you know, they're all very important things to understand guys. Like it's not just the fundamentals. Like, did I learn a CRM or do I learn how to do optimization of videos? What makes sure, people sure. successful in businesses from within, not from the external things around them that they think they have to learn. They need to be the right person and then learn those things. Cause if you're not the right person, you you're going to take all these toys and bells and whistles, and you're going to still destroy everything you're trying to build. It comes from within first. And uh, yeah. that's why you build the body first, you build your body, you build your mind. And those two things will build your bank account. If that's what you're chasing as far as a goal. Yeah. I, um, 
I have a pretty tragic story of my best friend growing up who made it super big and it ruined his life. Um, literally he's, he's been missing for several years now. And so I say to my kids and myself a lot, my prayer is that may my character outgrow my success because I, I, it's not just not fun. It could literally ruin your life for you to get all the bells and whistles and not have the inner strength and clarity of purpose and identity and resistance training and all that stuff. Um, these aren't optional things at the high levels at the high levels. This is the only way you're going to survive it and still enjoy your life. That's right. So like you, and, and I learned this early on, like with the poker world going away, it was a good experience because I did go down that materialism and yeah, as I say, yeah. this day, I'm about to go buy a new truck. Uh, so I, I want to tell you guys, as I tell the story, I still buy stuff and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, We're not buying, anti like, stuff, watches. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm here. I'm talking about don't buy materialism, I'm about to go buy a truck today. But, um, <laughs> the point was don't let your materials and your possessions own you. You should own your possessions. And, yes. and what happens is when you when you're chasing materialism and all this stuff. It, and if for one, like you don't realize once you start acquiring all this stuff, it's a time management, stress management to take mm -hmm. care of it and, mm -hmm. and handle it all. But, um, yeah, so just, there's a, a Toby Mac song. I don't know if you guys know Toby Mac yes. is. He's got a song. What's it called? Yes, I've listened to I don't want to lose. Stuff, yeah. I don't want to lose the whole world, at, but I don't want to lose the world. What does he say? I don't want to lose the whole world, but gain my soul. All right. Yeah. I don't want to lose my soul, gain the whole world, but lose oh, my soul. Gain the whole is. world and lose right my soul. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So what he's, what he's saying is like, you don't, you don't want to become successful like his friend, uh, where you mm -hmm. gained all the materialism, you gained the recognition, you gained everything, but you lost yourself inside that process. And now you're lost and you can't look yourself in the mirror. You did things unethically and you cut corners and things like that on the way up. And this is a big message I want to give you guys. I'm at the top of the business world. I know a lot of successful people, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs, and there's two different paths. The ones that cheated people, ran over people, hurt people to get to the top. And then the ones that did it the right way that went a little bit slower, like the tortoise and the hare story. Yeah, yeah. A little bit slower. You're going to have a lot of people cheat you and scam you and run you over. And you're going to have to ask yourself why, because the people that are the hares are running over the tortoises in the beginning. But the, what happens to the hares is they go to jail, they lose their reputation, something happens, or they, they realize that they cheated, which means they can never look in the mirror and, and respect right. themselves, which is the only thing that matters is our self-esteem. And it doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account if you hate yourself because you know you're a fraud. So these are the people that literally have those miserable lives, those anger rich people that live in a room by themselves that nobody knows about, doesn't care about. And they die on a dead deathbed with an assistant that didn't even, or, you know, like a housemaid that probably didn't even care about them anyways, as compared to the ones that leave legacies and create generational wealth and start things in their community that benefit the community after they leave their world. And they leave a strong name behind them where their children take that name and, and make it more profound and uh, keep carrying the right morals and values forward. So you guys need to decide on your journey in business. Do you want to, do it the right way or the wrong way, because it doesn't matter if you have your success goals hit as far as the dollars, the toys and all that. If you can't look yourself in the mirror, I promise you guys, that's the most valuable thing. And it can't be bought. All these people that are successful that did it in a cheating way or fraudulent way. They can never pay for their respect of themselves back period. They will always know that they're a bad person. They cheated. They will never, there's they can't spend any money amount to buy that back. They already did it. So you need to ask yourself right now, before you become successful, do you want to do it in a way where you're going to respect yourself later or hate yourself later? And it is that bipolar or by, you know, binary of a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, uh, that's a drop the mic moment. So why don't we just land there and <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get out. Later. Later. <laughs> this is great. Thanks brother. I hope you enjoyed this episode of upgrade engines with Scott Wozniak. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on life and leadership, 
you might want to sign up for my weekly newsletter at www.scottwozniak.com slash upgrade. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-O-Z-N-I-A-K dot com slash upgrade. You'll get a cool quote, a deep thought, and a recommendation for something that I use and love. It's not long and it should be fun. The theme is similar to this podcast, but it's not the same content. And if you're a leader who wants to build a legendary brand, you can check out my company's website to learn how we can help at www.swazconsulting.com. That's S-W-O-Z consulting.com. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine.